This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined again with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. Thanks for joining me again. We're going to get right to the topic, and uh, it's something that we uh, that that we hear about quite often. Um, before we do that, just want to direct you to practicalshepherding.com. We built a new website the first of the year, and the content is really easily accessible now. And we encourage you to just go there and, and hopefully be helped by the things you will find there. You can reach out to us and contact us through that. If you have a podcast uh, topic you would like for us to tackle, we'd be glad to try to accommodate you. You can go to the contact page and write us there. Or you can go to the other social media outlets and write for us uh, a, a topic that you want us to deal with there. For today, we want to deal with an important topic around our families as pastors. And I get asked this quite often. I've had to wrestle through this personally, even at different times. And that is, how much should our families, Jim, determine where we go and do ministry? So we have, you know, a pat, a guy he's interviewing with a church. They're trying to figure out if that's where they should go to to pastor or be a missionary or whatever the calling might be. And a pastor and his wife's wrestling through this, and his wife's maybe got concerns about this, and, and they're trying to figure this out. Their kids are a certain age, and they're trying to think about the impact of them. I get asked this often. I know that this is something that a lot of pastors are wrestling with, one, in trying to determine maybe where to take a position. And secondly, once they're in a, in a church, they're trying to weigh how much their families are being affected in a negative way, possibly, that would make them have to determine. Like, this is the question I get three, four, five years into a church, hard church situation. A pastor will reach out and say, like, my my wife's hurt and she's done with what's happened. You know, how much of this do I, do I, I need to leave this position for the sake of my family? Or how much do I need to just help them to try to figure out how to walk through this together. Mm. That's a really hard issue uh, to to deal with. So biblically, Jim, how do we start to think about this as we want to maybe try to wrestle through this? Brian, I don't know that there's uh, an easy answer as you're setting that up. I was thinking, well, we can just say this and, and pack it up and just let people discuss it. Right. But uh, you, 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 there's a tension in this. You know, as a, as a husband and as a father – there are, there's a tenderness and a care that we need to demonstrate toward our wife and toward our children. So we, we sacrifice uh, on their behalf. And, and so the love of a husband is likened to the love of Christ hanging upon a cross. We dwell with them in an understanding way, giving honor to them as to a weaker vessel. You know, the, so dwelling with your wife with understanding, honoring her, you know, it says that she's weaker, she's weaker than you are, you're weak, she's weaker. And then you have to deal with the matter of what Paul says uh, to parents and fathers, especially uh, in Ephesians 6, is that you know, fathers are not to exasperate their children right. or to provoke their children to wrath. And so there needs to be a sensitivity to that. On the other hand, you know, there is a recognition that as men, we have a calling to lead and that... Our wives and children have a calling to submit and to honor our leadership, and that's coupled with the reality that ministry is hard and that ministry demands uh, self-denial, and it's not going to be easy. And so how do you, how do you wrestle between those, 
those things where you you say to a woman when you get married. Now, some some men marry women before they have any sense of a calling, and right. so now ah, the woman's trapped. Mm. Some women want to be pastors' wives, uh, and and so they're kind of gung ho and all in on it. Others are like, this isn't what I signed up for. And this right. is not the life of you know. We we have a friend, a good friend in ministry who was in business and was pretty wealthy. I think he started several businesses and all of a sudden he goes off to seminary when he's 38 or whatever it is. And, right. And now they're, you know, you know, it's very different, you know. So what right. she what she what she signed up for and what she was her initial life and then, you know, becoming a small church pastor's wife. Mhm. Uh, so I think there's a tension there, uh, Brian, that we, we have to wrestle through with that, and that pressure and tension is going to be expressed in those two ways. So we're trying to determine, I think, in some ways, how do we read the providence of God? How do we read, because this is what we want to know, is the Lord speaking to me through this? Is the Lord leading me? And will the Lord or does the Lord lead a man through the aching of his wife and the aching of his children, yeah. or, or is that a call for them to self-denial in the kingdom? So that that's yeah. the struggle. Okay, I'm, I, that's good, and I think I want to I want to add a, a text to that, if I may. And I think it's uh, it's from First Timothy three, the qualifications of a pastor. Mm. That uh, it's there's commands in or there's there's instructions in there. Or qualifications should say towards being faithful to one wife, but mm-hmm. also managing your household well. And then mm-hmm. the reason in verse 5 is because if a man cannot manage his own household, how will he care for Christ's church? Mm-hmm. And that's a re- I find that is a really important verse, even for a conversation like this, because it means it is a prerequisite to qualify as a pastor to manage your household well mm-hmm. and to care for your wife and children. Well, I think that's mm-hmm. the implication of it. The reason I want to put that in there is because I... I believe that shows the priority of the family in a way that I think complicates, but also can be clarifying towards uh, towards a, co- a question like this that we'll put out there on, you know, when do you have to leave your ministry because your family is done with mm-hmm. and, and hurting so badly there, and yet there's this we're not necessarily called to run from suffering. Right, so, right. So yeah, how do we shepherd our family through right. this and even think in the long term? So I mean, maybe we can just break this up into the two categories of yep. wives and children. Yep. Uh, what is it about? What is it about our ministry? We might say that is provoking to our wife. That is causing our wife to struggle. Is it ministry itself? Is it how we're handling ministry? Or is it that particular local church where she might, for instance, that there are there's there's there are no older women that she feels she can benefit from. There are no younger women that she feels any kinship with or, or really feels she can have fellowship with or they withdraw from her and so that being at church is is harder painful. That's one one issue. There might be the financial issue that makes it very very difficult for her to be there. That you're living in poverty and scraping their two nickels together, uh, and you're know, having that that issue. Uh, there uh, there can be the wound issue. That is that she's watched her husband suffer and seen people attack 
uh, attack her husband, and she just can't. Mm-hmm. I know a pastor told me his wife cried for months every Sunday going to church. And you really had to wrestle with that because it was just right. so hard to think I'm going to have to sit in there with those people who attack you when all you're trying to do is do them good. Yeah. And that's really, really and, hard. And then sometimes enough's enough. It was the breaking point. And everything you said was really strong. And it's interesting, out of all the good things you said, the there's one thing you didn't say that that I end up going to first when a pastor comes to me and says, "Hey, I'm four or five years in. There's good things happening at our church, but my wife's just like done. She's ready to leave." Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes, the first place to investigate again, if, if somebody's coming to me asking for help, is to be able to to determine. And you got to hear from the wife on this. You can't ask her husband how well is he caring for her, right? And and so oftentimes, because, again, because there's that First Timothy three, and you want to prioritize, put your family first. So, I think some people come to me and expect me when I hear that to say, "Well, you just need to leave. Yeah, you need to, you know, you need to leave. You need to go take care of your family." The first thing I say is, uh, "How well do you care for your wife through this? What what kind of quality of life does your wife have while you're out running around doing all this ministry right. all the time?" And I find I discover so often that a lot of times wives are done because. They, they feel abandoned and lonely because their right. husband have just been consumed with the ministry and they're not caring for them at all. Right. So that becomes, it's not about your wife may not be done with ministry. She, you know, maybe more just done with the way you're living your all's life. Right. And so right. That's, and that's exactly what right. needs to be addressed. So, right. so I, I, that's the first thing I want to throw out there uh, for those wrestling with Right. Because the, the answer there is, is not, you, know, you need to leave, you need to leave, leave your church, no. but you need to maybe determine. How many nights out of the week you're gone? When you're home? How you communicate when you're home? And and all of those kind of you really li- yeah. love her. If she's secure in your love, then some of these other things might right. take care of themselves. How what? How much or little are you bringing her into the problems of the church? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of pastors that unknowingly make their wife a fellow elder. They they end up coming and dumping all the burdens of the church onto them. And of course, those wives are often going to assume that, and that's a very unfair thing for a pastor to do. At the same time, pastors got to find very winsome ways to suffer with their wives as they suffer in the church Mm. without unloading all the burdens of the church on them at the same time. Mm. It's a really fine line, but it's an important one to find. So that's that's the main thing I would mention, the place to start many times. With pastors, you ask themselves, how well am I caring for my wife? Or if I've very narcissistically just functioned in my ministry in a way that's been harmful to my wife. So I think practically, Brian, what strikes me in that kind of a situation is that it's it's that pastor needs to have somebody to shepherd him and ask him hard questions and not just answer the question, hey, my wife's really struggling and should I go because my wife's struggling? Right. But somebody needs to be close enough to him or he needs to be vulnerable enough or his wife needs to be brought into the process that if he's seeking that counsel, maybe somebody needs to say, well, you know, can I talk to your wife? Yeah. And you know, and, and not in a way that to make her feel guilty, but you do need to understand, is this really rooted in neglect right. or, or an unnecessary undue burden 
that he's placed on you mm. um, as a pastor. You know, there's a whole bunch of that goes with that. The whole thing that some people have, you know, like a, it's a two for one deal. You yeah, know, right. And that she, that as though pastor's wife is an unofficial office in the church, and that yeah. she's expected to do all of these things. Let's go to the other side of, with the with the wife, and that is uh, a wife that's done, and and she's truly done. It's it's not a reflection of these other things, but that. It, it we like we know a few folks in situations like this where they've been in you know a, a family's been in ministry over a, you know a couple of two or three decades mm-hmm. and it's been hard ministry it's been grinding ministry and the effect over years and years of hard ministry on the family and on the marriage and all those things sometimes it just eventually wears a wife out and right. she can't do it anymore in that situation that's different to me than what we just talked about. And I think that's when a pastor really has to consider, you know, have I drugged my wife through enough Mm. and I can't ask her to do this anymore? Acknowledging her humanity and just realizing she can only do so much. Right. I think in those moments, I think it's a totally different conversation when you're talking about somebody who's had some really hard ministry for a long time. It may just be You've got to do something else now for the sake of your wife. And and I think that is definitely a legitimate thing to face, too. I have a pastor friend, one of my dearest pastor friends, who uh, he told me that one of the reasons he was looking to step away from ministry, and this again after some decades, was he said, you know, we got married right around the time I became a pastor, mm-hmm. and that she has never... He feels like she's never really had him, holy him. You know, she's only been married to a guy in ministry. Mm-hmm. And so that she's always been married to a distracted man, you know, mm-hmm. to, to some degree. Mm-hmm. And she's shared him in that way. And and it's not that she's complained. She's a really, you know, she's one of these top-tier pastor wives kinds of things, the kind of lady that would, you know, write books and do seminars, I would imagine, you know, very competent and... And very submissive and very sweet in the midst of all of that, but his own recognition that he owes this to her, that if he's been given another, if he has another 10 to 15 years to live, Mm -hmm. that she get to be able to enjoy him in a way that she hasn't Mm. been able to. So I think that 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 recognition is helpful. I think, you know, a a man, when you were talking, Brian, I thought, you know, a man's going to need to guard his heart against bitterness because sometimes he he doesn't just feel like this is there's this calling but he loves it so there's that he loves pastoring he loves what he's doing and the thought that i have to give it up because she can't hack it or something like that can be a real formula for bitterness rather than self-examination and and tenderness toward her and destroy the marriage ultimately but is there a time brian where where a man says you know he where he really believes that he might need to gently encourage or even rebuke or exhort his wife cleansing her the washing of the water of the word is sometimes confrontational and then he needs to say you know i th- i think that you're not thinking in in kingdom terms is 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 that guilt manipulating is there ever a time where that's a a right thing to say yeah. you know babe we've signed up for this and and you know my determination is to be in this, you know, to the end. Uh, I I am willing to step aside for you. I'm not convinced. Is it ever right to say I'm not convinced that your 
emotions right now uh, ought to be the guiding force or principle in my determining whether or not I continue here or in ministry or continue here. Because sometimes it might mean going somewhere else. Sometimes it's going to mean ending a ministry altogether. Yeah, that's. I think that's a great question. Obviously, it's going to be a, a case by case, but yeah, I think the how sound the marriage is is going to be is going to really come out in those conversations. And I would also encourage if if somebody's in that situation to get help in, in the midst of it to not try to just the two of you duke it out, but to really bring a third person in, whether it's a counselor or another pastor friend you both would would trust and to help wrestle through that. But in that scenario, you've got to include other people who mm-hmm. know you and love you. But yeah, I think it becomes a. I think it's where it becomes a wrestling that this that the couple needs to go through, for the pastor to be able to 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 say, look, I, you know, I, to to not in a threatening or manipulative way or anything, but just, you know, I don't think my time here is done. Like I, I think God mm-hmm. has more for me here. What do we need to do to change things for you? To make this more tolerable for you, yeah, and and I think those are, I mean, things evolve, right? Families change. I mean, when you have little kids versus teenagers, right, to right. kids That's out of the house, right? So yeah, we're going to get to kids in a minute, but but yeah. I think that that pastors and wives always need to have those conversations periodically. What I one of the things I learned actually, I would say this. I'll speak personally on this. Something that kept allowed me to stay in ministry at a at a breaking point was me being able to have a, a talk with my wife. To where we needed to change some things and, and routines of our life to make this a bit more doable for my wife, mm-hmm. and so you know, I mean, she we made some changes several years ago that that actually the, you know the church even noticed. Like my wife's not a, she's not around as much or she's not involved in this. She started working on her master. She started doing school and some of these other things that mm-hmm. she had put on hold. Uh, that and her being doing less things, leading less things. That that shift actually helped her a lot to be able to continue to carry on. So pastors and wives, I think, have to have those conversations to figure out maybe what is going to be a, a what is going to be more pleasing uh, role for your wife that in the church that might have to just shift in those moments. So I do think it's important to talk about that. Do you think it's legitimate, Brian, to say that when you're married, I mean, there's there's no question of your calling. You know, you're you're married. That's your wife. When you go to a church, is it the same kind of certainty of calling, or is it that you say, "Listen, the best I know, I think I'm called to do this," and I and I believe providentially God led me here, but there's no question that I'm called to to love this woman and to right. be a husband to this woman. Yep. Whether I should be at this church, whether I should be in ministry, may actually be open to interpretation and, and to questioning. But there's no question that I am called preeminently. God has called me as a husband and a father. That that I am without without question. In, the, in, in a way that I'm not in ministry. I, I right. think I, I I believe I am, but I know I'm a husband. I believe right. I'm called to pastor here, yeah. but I know I'm called to dwell with her in an understanding way. Yeah, that's right. I, I, the, I, I would answer that with the best advice, arguably, I've ever gotten, and that's there's always another ministry, but you only get one wife. Mm. And so, which echoes what you're talking about there. So, yeah. so yeah, the New Testament is clear. We're first. We're first, first husbands and fathers and calling. So yeah, I do think that that we give lip service to it, but I do think we need to make decisions at breaking points in our family's life and, and ministry life to say, you know, is 
is what is best for my family and what is best for my ministry? Are they in opposition to each other? And if they come to that point, you have to ask yourself that question. In fact, let's shift to children for the last few minutes. Yeah. Because we've, uh, we, we definitely want to acknowledge that like the, the wife has um, a, 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 a say and influence on whether we, how long we do ministry, where we do it, um, more so than children. Mm-hmm. And yet, Jim, how, how does how are children to be affected in a church? I mean, I do a lot of revitalization. Where, you know, I, I entered it, and I've worked with a lot of pastors who are in the middle of hard churches with families and kids that they don't have uh, they don't have peers, and maybe church members even treat them badly. And mm. like th- those are real situations. There's, I guarantee you, there's pastors listening to this right now who are in the middle of that. Right. So, how much should our children determine whether we stay in a ministry or not? It's a great question, Brian, and I, and I think it's a, there's there are a few things that complicate it. Uh, you know, from the on, on the one hand is the recognition that, uh, as everybody knows, our kids are growing up, and you know where they where they're at now mm-hmm. as a you know as a as a as an infant they they have no idea. As a toddler, if they're cute and everybody picks them, you know, church is fun and great. Uh, as a six-year-old, as a 12-year-old, as a teenager, you know, all of that's going to change. But even when they're a teenager, that's just going to last a few years. And and I think we need to be careful sometimes about making a a, a lasting decision based on a very temporal thing. A season, right. So I think, you know, families that make their primary determination, I'm leaving the church because I've got teenagers – well, in a few years, you're not going to have teenagers, so maybe that ought not to be the it's primary. A, it's a fair point. Yep. I, I, so I think we have to do that. On the other hand, you know, we we don't want our children to feel like they don't matter to us. You know that that you know, Dad always made it clear church was more important than us. That other people mattered more than we did. Yeah. That if somebody was going to get shortchanged, if somebody was going to have the least amount of Dad energy, or his energy is going to be us. Uh, if somebody's going to have this or that cut short, it's going to be us. It, we're always going to be thrown under the bus. We're always the second class in his mind, you know. So I, I think again, Brian, that whole thing of what you mentioned with the wife is that there is a a culture and a climate that a man brings to his home, and that if he can make it clear that I'm going to be, you know, my kids are not going to be ecclesiastical orphans, and my wife is not going to be an ecclesiastical widow. Yeah. I'm going to be a hands-on dad, you know, so that our home and our life is a joy together so that you're able to put it in perspective and say, you know, our public gatherings are maybe at most three hours a week, four hours a week. And if and if for those three or four hours the kids don't have X amount of peers their own age and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the 15, 30 minutes, 20, 40 minutes after worship that they don't have somebody to run around with, Ought not to be the ultimate determination on whether or not I yeah. stay because they're going to change. Yeah. Um, so I think a, a man's attitude toward his home and how he delights in his children and cares for his children. Yeah. So I think again, if if you can be the kind of dad who who does try to make it to the ball games, you know, who does try to make it to the recital or you know whatever it is, and, and they know that you altered your schedule and. Maybe you asked if you could change an elders meeting so that you could be there at these important moments in their life. I think that's going to help them not to resent the ministry and not to resent you. You know, so you have to ensure that 
you're not pursuing that calling in such a way that you're neglecting your ordinary calling yep. as a man who's, who is not to provoke his children to wrath or to exasperate yeah, them. Yeah, and I think the the same principle we just talked about with the wife applies with kids in, in this way, that to try to create a good quality of life for your children to the best of your ability is going to help you last longer in ministry. So to your point, okay, your, your children may not have a best friend at church, but you know, then you need to help them find peers and friendships in other mm-hmm. places. You but, don't just kind of tell them, this is just the way it is, deal with it. Am maybe I not the, better to you than 10 sons? Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that, that that idea of try to create a, as good a quality of life for your family is an important piece to that. One last thing I'll add on this is that I do think, as far as when we're talking about children, there's a distinction to me between younger children influencing our ministry decisions and older children influencing our ministry decisions. Uh, I think there's a difference in that. I, st- I actually agree with what you said. All of them are seasons. So you want to be really careful, even if your teenager hates church where you are, mm-hmm. that that's, they're going to be teenagers for, you know, these are important years, but it's also not going to be a whole lot of years. And to be careful on making decisions around that. However, my 13, 14, 15-year-old uh, uh, daughter or son is going to get my attention on how my ministry affects them more than when they were five right. or six. Like th- the fact that, you know, the fact that, that there's not the right kind of goldfish in the nursery and my child is really upset with that um, is not going to influence my decision as much as I have a 13, 14, 15-year-old that church members are actually cruel to. Right. Uh, obviously, those are way different. But I right. mean, make, to make the point, little kids, I think, can be resilient through a lot of those kind of things in a way that I think teenagers can actually be more harmed by. Mm. Uh, And me going through those really hard years early in the church when my kids were little, it mattered that they were little. If we went through those years when they were teenagers, that would have been a totally different deal. Yeah, you might have a whole different story. Will you take a minute, Jim, as we wrap this up, will you take a minute and just just pray for wisdom for pastors who who are, these are really hard and complicated situations. So thanks. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you promise in your word to give wisdom to those who ask, and you do call us to trust in you with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding to acknowledge you in all our ways and Lord, trust that you'll guide our paths. We, we, we confess, Lord, we come to some of these situations and we, we despair at our own lack of ability to, to, to know everything that ought to be done and everything that's helpful. Father, we thank you that where we lack, you, you never do. And we thank you, Father, for your open ear and your open heart and your guiding hand. And ask, Lord, that men that are particularly struggling right now would at least be given the vulnerability to be able to not build walls between their wives and kids and not to resent their wives and kids or on the other hand, not to resent their ministry. Father, they feel that tension. Help them, Lord, and send others alongside to help and to guide and to comfort and to counsel. We ask your help and mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.